Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin. Al-aqibatulilmuttaqin. Wala'udwana illa ala al-zalimin. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah wahdahu la sharika lah. Ilahul awalina wal-akhirin. Wa ashadu anna nabiyyana Muhammadin abduhu wa rasuluhu al-mustafa al-amin. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in amma ba'd. Welcome to another lesson with QP and inshallah ta'ala today we're going to continue with our tafsir of Surah Al-Inshiqaq which we began a couple of weeks back now and last week we covered verses 2 and 3 uh, in which we said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions after speaking at the very beginning of this surah about the about the, the splitting of the of the heavens and the rendering of this or the 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 rending asunder uh, of of the skies Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says wa adinat li rabbiha wa huqqat as it must do in hearing the command of its lord and obeying it as the heavens must rightly do in hearing the command of its lord and obeying it and that is because as we mentioned at some length last week when Allah azza wa jalla will give the command for the trumpet to be blown on yawm al qiyamah just as when Allah azza wa jalla gives the command for anything then the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hastens to obey the command of Allah azza wa jal and it does, it does so immediately whatever that may be whether it may be in terms of creation the issue of creation the first time around or the issue of resurrection on yawm al-qiyamah and anything that comes in between that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he gives the command of kun which means be or come into existence it comes into existence or it is as Allah azza wa jal wills it for it to be and so everything will obey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day including the heavens including the earth including everything which is contained within those two creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then Allah azza wa jalla in verse number three spoke about also another one of the major changes that will take place on yawm al-qiyamah and that is the earth and how the earth will be spread out wide and leveled because it will become the place of gathering where the people will gather together on yawm al-qiyamah to be judged by their lord and so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this way when the earth is leveled out when it is made flat when there is no uh, peaks or troughs therein it is it is it is a single plane where the people will stand and where the people will await their judgment from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we, I think we went into some detail concerning those two verses last week, so I don't want to spend too much time recapping and, and, and going over that again, but inshallah ta'ala you can refer to last week's lesson uh, if you want to revise or revisit some of, of what we mentioned. So today inshallah ta'ala we're going to continue from verse number 4. And Allah subhanahu ta'ala in verse number 4, He uh, continues speaking about the earth. So the earth will be leveled out on that day and then Allah Azza wa Jal says in verse number 4 أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وألقت ما فيها وتخلت the tafsir or the translation rather of Sahih International and has cast out that within it and relinquished it Mufti Taqi it will throw out throw up whatever it contains and will become empty Professor Abdul Harim casts out its contents and becomes empty and Muhsin Khan and has cast out all that was, was in it and became empty. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse number four, as you can see, it's a continuation of what Allah mentioned in verse number three in the sense that he's still speaking about the earth on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So a number of things will happen to the earth. From that which will happen to the earth is that the earth will be leveled out. From that which will happen to the earth is that everything upon the earth will be removed so that it is a single plane, it is a single level plane where the people can stand. And we mentioned this last week, so the, the, the mountains will, be, will crumble into dust, the oceans and the seas will be set ablaze, meaning that there will be no water therein. And then whatever remains, because the seas or the, or the ocean, the seabed and the ocean bed is extremely deep at the moment, but it will be leveled out so that the people will stand, as Allah Azza wa Jal mentions elsewhere in the Quran, uh, that there will be no uh, troughs therein, nor will there be any peaks. It will be a single level plane. So a number of things will happen to the earth, and from that which will happen to the earth as part of that, as part of the coming of, of the Day of Judgment, is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions here in verse number 4. And that is, وَأَلْقَتْ مَا فِيهَا وَتَخَلَّتْ Alqa is to throw something. Alqa is to throw something. So, Alqiha uh, Ya Musa, as Allah Azza wa Jal says, What's that in your hand? What is in your hand, O Musa? And then he tells Allah Azza wa Jal. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him the command, Alqi ma fi yaminik. Throw down what is in your right hand. The word Alqi means to throw or to cast out or to. Uh, yeah, similar, similar meaning to um, to throw, and so Allah Azza wa Jal says, that the earth will throw out that which it contains, its contents. What The word khallat or khala means something which is emptied, something which is emptied, and that's why um, al khala can mean an empty place. Uh, it can mean a place, uh, for example, in classical Arabic, they would often use the word for bathroom, like the toilet where, pe- where people go and relieve themselves. They would often say that in classical Arabic, one of the words for that is a place of khala. Khala, because you go and you empty out your, your uh, you know, you go and empty yourself out there. So the word khala refers to this word empty. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, It will cast out or throw out that which it contains, and therefore it will become emptied, meaning that nothing will remain within the belly of the earth. Nothing remains within the belly of the earth from that which Allah commands and obviously will, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Mujahid, rahimahullah ta'ala, in his tafsir, he said, أَخْرَجَتْ مَا فِيهَا مِنَ الْمَوْتَى What it means that it will cast out from within it all of the dead. So therefore nothing will remain. And as we know from the Sunnah, what seems to be the case, and Allah knows best, but the Sunnah seems to show that that which is cast out from the earth on Yawm Al-Qiyamah in terms of resurrection will not only be human remains, but the remains of animals too. Because the Prophet told us when he was speaking about the justice of Allah on that day, that Allah will have justice even between the animals to the extent that the horned animal and the unhorned animal when because of the duel that they fought in this world and the horned animal uh, injured the unhorned animal, Allah Azza wa Jal will, will, will have justice between them too before all of those animals are then rendered into nothing because obviously there is no ultimate reward nor any ultimate punishment for them for they are not mukallafi, they are not responsible in that way. But the point here being that that seems to be the case, that it is everything. So when Allah Azza wa Jal says, 
it will cast out all of its contents. It refers not only to human remains, but all of the remains that are contained therein, and Allah knows best. But either way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will command the earth that everything that was within it, everything within it should come out. As Allah uh, mentions uh, elsewhere, as we said, إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا وَخْرَجَتِ الْأَرْضُ أَثْقَالَهَا We mentioned that a couple of years back when we were doing the tafsir of Surah Al-Zalzala. When the earth is shook or shakes with a strong shaking, with that violent tremor that will be Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Uh, and the earth will throw out all of that which it contained, all of its, all of the weight that it has therein, meaning all of the remains, all of the dead that it contains therein. And this is similar according to the tafsir of Mujahid, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. And Qatada, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, in his tafsir, he went even. Uh, even more general, even wider in his tafsir, he said, Rahimahullah ta'ala, akhrajat atqalaha wa kunuzaha wa takhallat minh. That it will throw out not only its, its athqal, as Allah Azzawajal says in Surah Al-Zalzala, athqal meaning the word thiqal is something which has weight to it. And what it means here primarily is the dead that it will contain. But also wa kunuzaha, all of its treasures will also be taken out. All of its treasures will also become apparent on that day. So all that the earth contains of its minerals and its precious stones and gems, all of that which it contains because the gems and the hidden stones on the earth are where they're found on mountains, they're found in oceans, they're found in the ground, they're found on earth, in, in the earth. On Yawm Al-Qiyamah, there's no mountains left. Yawm Al-Qiyamah, there's no oceans and seas left. And Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah Azza wa Jal commands that everything within the earth be cast out of it. And that is why Qatada, rahimahullah, he went for a more uh, a more general, if you like, a more wider tafsir and interpretation than the one that Mujahid was referring to. And sometimes this is one of the um, the methodologies of the scholars of tafsir, by the way. Some of them, as we said, they like to focus in and others like to have a more general overview. The ones who focus in my care and this, in this instance, Mujahid, rahimahullah ta'ala, focuses on what is the most important uh, issue that the earth will cast out, and that is the human remains, the bones of humans, so that they will stand before Allah in resurrection because clearly that is the primary purpose of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the resurrection of those creations that Allah tested in this dunya, that now they will be held to account, they will be resurrected for that accounting before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Mujahid focuses on what is the most important aspect of that which the earth casts out. But as other scholars such as in this case Qatada rahimahullah ta'ala, well, he went for the more general view, that everything will be cast out. And there is a wisdom within that as well, and a benefit as we will mention, inshallah ta'ala, uh, shortly as we go through the tafsir of this verse. Uh, and Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he um, also seemed, uh, and it's possible, uh, when it comes to the tafsir of this verse, that the first part of the verse is referring to the dead, it throws out or it casts out its contents that's referring to the deceased that were buried therein and that are contained in the earth and it becomes empty the second part of the verse is referring to other than humans so everything else it will also become empty so there was there, there, there is nothing that remains but remember Imam Al-Tabari he said in his tafsir he also seemed to uh, focus more on the tafsir of Mujahid 
rahimahullah ta'ala. And that is that the earth will cast out that which is within it of the dead and so they will become they will come up on the surface of the earth minhum and it will empty out itself before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that those creations, whatever they are, they will stand before Allah Azza wa Jal on that day. And as we mentioned last week, some of the scholars or some of the narrations that we have uh, that was mentioned that tafsir of that verse with al Muddat, some of the narrations that we have of the companions in the Tabi'een, they say that the earth, despite it being flat and stretched out and leveled, then a person will have no more space, no more room on that day than the space that they're of their two feet, the space of their stance, their standing. That's all that they will have because of the multitude of people that will be standing there on that day. And all of us have been in situations that are extremely crowded. Right? Hajj is often said to be a place that should be a reminder of Yom Al-Qiyamah in some ways because of the throngs of people, the multitude of people, how closely packed they are together and how they are all there for a single purpose, single time, single place and so on. And so anyone that's been in some of those densely crowded, densely packed crowds in Hajj, sometimes in Arafah, sometimes maybe as you're going to stone in Mina, sometimes even as you're making Tawaf around the Kaaba, especially in the days of Hajj, and, and sometimes even outside of Hajj, you know how, 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 what that means just to have enough space to stand. That's pretty much all that you have. And on your right and on your left and in front of you and behind you, you are densely packed with other people. And by other people, you're, you're literally herded in. And so you can only move forward if they move forward. And if they stop, you stop. And if they decide to go right, you go right. And if they decide to go left, you go left. Why? Because you don't really have any luxury, any space, any room to maneuver except that which other people are doing. And that's when it's densely crowded, it becomes like that. You're literally just carried by the crowds and by the current of the people as they move from one place to another. And so that gives you some type of, of, of uh, uh, you know, allows you to envision in some way, uh, according to those narrations of some of the scholars, how densely packed the people will be on Yom Al-Qiyamah and how other, other than for the believers, the people will be going through an extremely difficult time and there will be no respite, no comfort on that day except to those to whom Allah affords that comfort and affords that respite. And so the people will be made to stand before Allah the earth will cast out its contents, it will become empty. Whether we say, as we said, that that's referring to the dead or whether we say that it's referring to uh, the, the, the other things that the earth contains such as its treasures. And Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala he said, وَتَخَلَّتْ مِمَّا عَلَى ظَهْرِهَا مِنْ جِبَالِهَا وَبِحَارِهَا It will empty out itself of everything that was upon its surface, from its mountains, from its oceans, and so on. وَقِيلَ And it's also said, أَلْقَتْ مَسْتُوْدِعَتْ وَتَخَلَّتْ مِمَّا اسْتُحْفِظَتْ That it will also cast out everything that was contained therein, and it will become empty of everything that it was a guardian over. Because Allah Azza wa Jal اسْتَوْدَعَهَا عِبَادَهُ أَحْيَاءً وَأَمْوَاتَا Allah made the earth a place where his creation, where the humans can live, where they can reside, both in life and in death. And he also made it a place that would allow them to live by giving, by making a place of vegetation, making a place where they would be able to eat from, from its produce. So on Yom Al-Qiyamah, none of that exists. No longer is it a place of them for them to 
to, to, to reside in or a place where they can rest in, nor will it be a place where they will find any provision on that day. And so it becomes empty of its former function, devoid of what it was, uh, what it was used for in this life of this world, the dunya stage of existence. And then on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, it becomes something else. And so he's kind of mentioned also in his own way, the different positions as we said that Mujahid had and, and Qatada had and others. And Al-Baghawi said something very similar. He said, أَخْرَجَتْ مَا فِيهَا مِنَ الْمَوْتَى وَالْكُنُوزِ That it will cast out everything that it contained of the dead and of its treasures. And Al-Mawardi also mentioned something similar. He mentioned three positions. Uh, the first one is the one of Mujahid, that it will that it's referring to the dead. أَلْقَتْ مَا فِي بَطْنِهَا مِنَ الْمَوْتَى وَتَخَلَّتْ عَمَّنْ عَلَى ظَهْرِهَا مِنَ الْأَحْيَاءِ He said that it means that it will cast out from its belly all of the dead. And it will empty itself upon its surface from all that are living. And he said that this was also not only the position of Mujahid, but also Sa'id ibn Jubayr, rahimahullah ta'ala, from, as we've said, the major students of Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma, and other than him as well. He met a number of the companions, but he's often known for his narrations, at least in tafsir, from Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma. And then he mentioned the second statement, or the second position, which was the position of Qatada, rahimahullah, and that is that it's referring to the kunuz, the treasures, of the earth and in terms of its surface then everything else that it contains such as the mountains and the, and the rivers and the oceans the seas and everything else and it also could be possible that there is a wider interpretation and that is that everything that the earth was used for everything that it contained everything that it had within it all of that it will become empty of all of that will be removed from it and as you can see, as is often the case when it comes to the tafsir of these verses, these positions are very similar. The positions are very similar. So they're not difficult at all. That is not, uh, that is not what is referring, uh, they're not very distinctly different in terms of, of that. Um, the teacher of our teacher, Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said in his tafsir of this verse, that when Allah Azza wa says وَتَخَلَّتْ that it will be empty He says that after the earth used to be for them a kifata أَحْيَاءً amwata, a place of residence, a place where an abode for them both in life and in death because in life they used to live on its surface in death they resided within it وَبَعْدَ أَنْ كَانَتَ لَهُمْ مِهَادًا and as after it was a place of residence for them a place where they would live where they were able to reside, it will cast them out and it will become emptied of them. He says, And this is something which should increase us in, 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 in fear of that standing of that day and how difficult the situation will be upon the slaves or upon the creation. That they will be in a, in, a, in a state of constriction, they will be constricted and they will, their movements will be, will be very uh, small or, or very restricted. And there will be no escape for them, no refuge for them on that day except to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something which is, uh, something which is repeated often in the Quran and in the Sunnah, this concept of 
there will be no refuge for you. And even in the dunya, there is no refuge for you, no protection for you, no escape from you, from Allah, except to Allah. From Allah, except to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I think we mentioned this maybe a few weeks back, but it's something which is found often in the Quran and in the Sunnah. For, in the, for example, in the Quran, in the story of Ka'b ibn Malik, radiallahu an, when he and his companions, his fellow uh, two companions, didn't participate in the Battle of Tabuk. And Allah Azza wa Jal, when he revealed their tawbah in Surah Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says concerning them, وَعَلَى الثَّلَاثَةِ الَّذِينَ خُلِّفُوا حَتَّى إِذَا ضَاقَتْ عَلِيْهِمُ الْأَرْضِ Allah Azza wa Jal mentions how difficult their situation has become in those 50 days and nights of boycott when the whole of the Muslim community, including the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, boycotted them to the extent that their wives were told to separate from them. And then Allah Azza wa eventually revealed their tawbah. Allah Azza wa says that the earth had become restricted for them. And they themselves found that they were extremely lonely. And they realized that there would be no escape from this except to turn back to Allah Azza wa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one that can save you because everything is from the decree of Allah Azza wa and the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the control of Allah Azza wa This is an amazing uh, an amazing belief that the Muslim has and it is liberating that they don't have to depend or shouldn't depend on anyone else or look towards anyone else except Allah Azza wa and so all of their trust should be upon Allah all of their reliance upon Allah all of their certainty with Allah Azza wa their fear their love their hope all in the divine sense with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they know that there is nowhere for them to go except back to Allah Azza wa and that is why in the hadith of um, of uh, the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, in which he spoke about the dua that you should recite before you go to sleep and he said that whoever recites this dua in the state of wudu and then sleeps on their right side makes this dua if they were to die that night they would die upon the fitrah Allahumma aslam tu ilayk wa fawadtu amri ilayk wa jatu dhahri ilayk raghbatan wa rahbatan ilayk la malja'a wa la manja minka illa ilayk Oh Allah, I have submitted all of my affairs to you. Oh Allah, I have, mis- I have submitted my face to you and entrusted my affairs to you and given my back into your care, meaning given myself over into your care and your protection out of fear and love for you. For there is no escape from you, O oh Allah, except to you, O oh Allah. I believe in the book that you sent and in the prophet that you sent. And so the Prophet وسلم, used to make this dua before he would go to sleep and he advised us to also make the same. But look at this wording. There is no escape, nowhere for us to go, nowhere for us to hide except to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you're having difficulty, turn back to Allah azza wa jal. And if you're having ease, ask Allah azza wa jal for more. That's our religion. And that's why the Prophet وسلم, he would often make uh, make the, the dua when he used to make the dua and it's mentioned in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha that he would make this dua uh, in the night time in the night prayer and so on he would make the dua Allahumma inni a'udhu bi ridaka min sakhatik wa bi mu'afatika min uqubatik wa bika mink la uhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik oh Allah I seek refuge in your I seek protection in your pleasure from your displeasure, from your anger. And I seek protection in your pardon from your punishment. And I seek protection in you from you. The scholars, when they were going through the 
explanation of this hadith. They said, oh Allah, we seek mercy, we seek protection in your mercy from your wrath and your anger. That's what it means. I seek, I seek protection in you from you. In your mercy from your anger. And that is how the believer should be. Because ultimately Allah Azza wa will be their judge. And that's why Allah, that's why Shaykh Shalqidi ta'ala is saying in, his, in the tafsir of this verse that this should increase you when you understand these verses about the standing on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. It should increase you in a sense of trepidation, in a sense of, of being wary, in a sense of wanting to be prepared for that day. Because Allah Azza wa is saying that that standing will not be an easy standing. That resurrection will be extremely difficult. The terrors of that day are well documented, well narrated in the Quran and in the Sunnah. And so a person then realizes, that in this life, but especially on that day, there will be no escape, there will be no comfort, there will be no respite except for those who turn to Allah Azza wa those that Allah Azza wa has mercy on. And that is why the hadith that speak about the way that the believers will be given respite on that day, whether it be from the shade of Allah Azza wa whether it be the way that they will be clothed and honored, whether it will be the angels that will come to them and give them uh, you know, give them consolation, give them thabat, make them steadfast on that day. All of that shows that the only people that will that will have some comfort on that day, some ease on that day, will be the people that Allah Azza wa Jal favors. And those are the people that in this world, they realize that there was nowhere else for them to go except back to Allah Azza wa Jal. So they spent their lives, they spent their time, they dedicated their effort to that mission of turning to Allah Azza wa Jal and asking of Allah, and seeking Allah's help alone subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so these, this is an amazing concept. And so the believers always in that state, the, as they're reading, as they're studying, as they're learning, as they're going through the Quran, they're going through the Sunnah, they realize through that knowledge, through their increase of awareness of the Quran, and the sunnah, they realize that this is what they, are, uh, what they are looking to achieve, what they are looking to, to gain. And uh, the other teacher of our teacher, Shaykh Abdurrahman ibn Nasr al-Sa'di, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that the earth on that day, فَإِنَّهُ يُنْفَخُ فِي الصُّورُ When the trumpet is blown in, فَتَخْرُجُ الْأَمْوَاتُ مِنَ الْأَجْدَاثِ إِلَى وَجْهِ الْأَرْضِ Then the dead will come out of their graves and they will come upon the earth. وَتُخْرِجُ الْأَرْضُ كُنُوزَهَا And likewise the earth will bring out all of its treasures. حَتَّى تَكُونُكَ until these treasures will be like major pillars, great pillars, yushahiduhul khalq, that the people can see, that they can see before them. And he said, and then on that day they will regret what they spent all of their lives seeking to attain, what they used to compete with one another for. And this is a nice tafsir. I didn't find anyone else, uh, you know, in, in my limited research when I was going through this, I didn't find anyone else make this, uh, make this connection between these two positions of Mujahid and Qatada, those who say that it's referring to the dead, those who say that it's referring also to the treasures of the earth. Uh, I didn't find anyone else make that connection the way that Sheikh uh, Ibn Sa'di did, rahimahullah ta'ala, and it's not surprising for those of you that have followed our Ramadan tafsir tafsir al-sa'di that we're going through in, in the month of Ramadan inshallah ta'ala this coming Ramadan uh, will be inshallah ta'ala our completion conclusion to that book bi'ithnillah ta'ala if Allah azza wa jal gives us the ability to do so it's an amazing tafsir nice and easy but also 
for the most part, like like very very well based upon an understanding of what the positions of the early scholars of Islam were in tafsir, what the position of the Salaf was when it came to understanding the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is just one example of how he combines between them without mentioning the name of Mujahid or Qatada or anyone else, but in his own way. And look at what he's saying here. He's saying that Allah will bring the dead out of their graves on that day. They will be made to stand and be resurrected. And Allah will also bring, subhanahu wa ta'ala, will bring out all of the treasures that they spent all of their lives, their whole existence running for, running, uh, running towards, looking for, searching for, fighting over, competing with one another over. All of their dunya was all about wealth and dunya material. That's all that they sought. On Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah will extract all of that wealth. The gold, the silver, the precious stones, the diamonds, the gems, everything. And they will be there in major pillars that people can see. And then they will realize on that day, they will have the remorse and regret that this is what we spent our whole life running after. This is what we spent our whole lives dedicated to. And they will regret it on that day because they will realize that actually it wasn't worth anything. Didn't benefit them in anything. And now on that day, now that they realize that there is a resurrection, they realize that there will be an eternal life, that that eternal life will be based on how they performed in the dunya, now they're going to realize that it wasn't worth the effort. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jal in Surah Al-Mutafifin, which is uh, also incidentally the next surah, inshallah ta'ala, that we will go on to, when Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about the believers and how they look at Jannah and what they look for and how Allah Azza wa Jal will place within there different things in terms of its drink and in terms of its shade and in terms of all of the many, many things that they will have in, uh, in Jannah, what does Allah Azza wa Jal say? وَفِي ذَلِكَ فَلْيَتَنَافِسِ الْمُتَنَافِسُونَ And for that, that those who wish to race and compete, let them race and compete. That's what you should be racing for, competing for. And that is why in Yom Al-Qiyamah, those people who did race for that, they did compete for that, that's what they spent their life trying to earn, those are the people that Allah Azza wa Jal will favor. Those are the people that Allah Azza wa Jal will give His honor to on Yom Al-Qiyamah. They will be the people that Allah Azza wa Jal will, will honor. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a number of places in the Quran says, وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ Hasten, race towards Allah's forgiveness and Jannah. سَابِقُوا فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ Race with one another, compete with one another towards good deeds. These are the concepts that you find in the Quran and in the Sunnah to race towards pleasing Allah Azza wa Jal. Just as most of us, if not all of us, race for the dunya and compete for the dunya and challenge one another in order to get a greater portion of the dunya. That is how the believers should be in terms of the akhirah as well. And there's no harm necessarily of competing for the dunya. It's not always haram. Not haram in every single circumstance, nor is it dis- disliked in every single circumstance, because part of that is also something that you have to do. But what is disliked, what is what is harmful, what is uh, not approved of by the sharia, is when that is all that you compete for. Or that becomes the main thing that you compete for. That's where the majority of your dedication, your concentration, your focus, your effort is spent towards the dunya. And the akhirah gets a very little, if hardly any, of that same effort, that same focus. And so, on that day, if they see that wealth, they see what they were trying to fight over and look for, but on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, it won't benefit them. It was insignificant in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. didn't mean anything to Allah azza wa jal. And what is beautiful of Yawm Al-Qiyamah is that all that matters on Yawm Al-Qiyamah is what was important to Allah Azza wa Jal. Not what was important necessarily to me or you or anyone else, 
what Allah loved and what Allah approved of and what Allah Azzawajal legislated and what Allah Azzawajal allowed. That's what on Yawm Al-Qiyamah will be worth something. That is what the people will have in terms of their currency. If they did that which Allah Azzawajal approved of, that which Allah Azzawajal loved. And so he says, وَيْتَحَسَّرُونَ عَلَى مَا هُمْ فِيهِ يَتَنَافَسُونَ And that's why he says that they will just have remorse on that day. Despite all of the dunya that they achieved, and many of them don't even achieve the dunya that they seek. They spend their whole life, decades, working for the dunya. It's not a guarantee that they will achieve it. Some of them do, some of them don't. Some of them get more, some of them get less. But that's what they still did. And they will chase it and chase it and chase it. And that is why in the hadith where the Prophet said that a person continues to become old, but they would always remain young in two things. And they're seeking out of, of, of wealth, of the dunya, and their hope of longevity. Meaning that they will always have wishes and hopes and plans. Those plans never finish. Even a 90-year-old has dreams of what they want to do. and achieve. That's, what, that's just human nature. To always want more and to continue and to hope to achieve things and find things and see things and live until you experience other things. That always continues to be young in a person no matter how physically old they become. And the second thing is their love of the dunya. No matter how old they are, no matter how weak they become, the dunya is temptation and the dunya is hard. And that is why Allah Azza loves those people who can sacrifice that dunya to compete and make munafasa for that which Allah Azza finds beloved, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so therefore, those people who didn't do that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they will only regret that which they did end up dedicating their lives towards. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then in verse number 5 repeats verse number 2. Allah Azza wa Jal in verse number 5 repeats what he said in verse number 2. He says subhanahu wa ta'ala وَأَذِنَتْ لِرَبِّهَا وَحُقَّتْ Obeying its Lord as it rightly must. And we said already when we did the tafsir of verse number 2 last week that the word adhina means to hear and huqqat is to obey as it must do so, as it has no other choice except to do so. And so you must obey its Lord, hear its Lord and obey its Lord as it must. It has no other choice to do so. So why did Allah repeat this verse again? Why is it repeated after verse number 2? Allah said the same thing. This time it's repeated to show that just as the heavens had no choice, so Allah in verse number 2 said, after mentioning that the heavens will be ripped apart, that they have to hear and obey, uh, that the heavens has to hear, listen to and obey its Lord, then likewise yeah, the earth must also do the same. The earth must also do the same because verses 3 and 4 speak about the earth. The earth will be level. The earth will throw out its contents. The earth will become emptied. And it too must obey, listen to its Lord and obey Him. It has no choice. And that is what Al-Qurtubi and others said. It will listen to its Lord, meaning in terms of throwing out the dead that it contains. And it must do so. It must obey its Lord. It has no other choice. It must obey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah Azza wa repeats it for that reason. And therefore nothing on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, no one on Yawm Al-Qiyamah has any choice to do except that which Allah Azza wa commands. On Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the issue of free will doesn't, is removed from people in the sense that they don't have a choice of do you want to now go towards Jannah or go towards the fire. 
do you want to listen and obey or do you want to refuse? That's only in the dunya. In the dunya, me, you, every human, every jinn, they've been given, they've been given free will. And that means that you can choose what to do and choose what not to do. You have the power and the ability for the most part, most people have the power and the ability to make their decisions. And if they are of sound mind and they're over the age of puberty, then they're held to account for that. That's something which they will be held to account for on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. But on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they can't do anything by their own free will. They don't get to go where they want. They don't get to choose to whom, who it is that they want to follow. That's in the dunya. In the dunya, you choose who you want to follow. You choose who you want to be friends with. You choose the company that you keep. You choose what actions you want to perform or not perform. You choose what you want to do and how you want to do it. But on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, no. Allah Azza wa will command you, go and go with those people that you chose to follow in the dunya. Be with those people that were your friends in the dunya. Take the actions that you performed in the dunya. This is the record of that which you accomplished in the dunya. And then as a result, Allah will tell you where to go. Either in Jannah or in the fire, may Allah Azza wa Jal keep us safe from that. So on that day, no one has a choice. So the heavens has no, have, have no choice. The earth has no choice. The mountains have no choice. The oceans have no choice. The angels have no choice. Fire itself has no choice. Fire has no choice. It will take that which Allah Azza wa Jal gives to it. And that is why when the two, as the Prophet told us, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Jannah, and the fire differed with one another, or they argued with one another, and one of them, Jannah, said that I am only for the poor and the weak, and the fire said I am only for the arrogant and the proud. Allah said to Jannah, Anti Rahmati, you are my mercy, and I will give to you whomsoever I wish to show my mercy to. And he said to the fire, Anti Azabi, you are my punishment, and I will punish with you whomsoever I will. And, and each one of you will have its fill, he said, uh, Azza wa Jal. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jal tells us in the Quran, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the fire, Halim Talati, are you full? Hal min mazid. It will respond, Oh Allah, are there any more to come? Because even the fire can't choose when it is that it wants to stop until Allah commands that it is enough subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing has a choice on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And so Allah Azza wa Jal will give the commands on that day and the people will do and the creation will do as it is commanded to do. So everything on that day must debate. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jal and Allah knows best repeats it here in this surah to show every single thing will obey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything will do that which Allah Azza wa Jal has commanded. We mentioned a couple of weeks back uh, concerning this surah in verse number one, when we're going through verse number one, so probably two, three weeks back now, when we started the tafsir of Surah Al-Inshiqaq, we mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he says in verse number one, when the heavens will be rent asunder, when they will be ripped apart, we said that the scholars of tafsir differed, or the scholars of the Arabic language as well, they differed, as to whether this was a khabar, whether Allah Azza wa was informing us of something, whether it's going to, it was something which Allah Azza wa was telling us of that would occur in, in, in the future, or whether it was a khabar, but in the, in, in the meaning or the context of a qasim, of an oath. Is this an oath when Allah Azza wa says, when the heavens will be ripped apart, is Allah taking oath as if he's saying, by Allah, the heavens will be ripped apart? or by the heavens as they will be ripped apart? Is that a qasim? This is something which they differed over. Some of them said, no, it is a khabar. And therefore, uh, you know, it's pretty easy. There's no qasim, there's no jawab al-qasim, there's no oath, there's no reason to look at what the oath was taken for. 
Another said, no, it is a qasam. And then they amongst themselves, those who said that it is an oath, they differed as to where the jawab is, where the, 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 or, or what is the reason for which the oath is being taken. So some of them said, such as Al-Farra, um, or some of them rather said uh, that the jawab is some of them said that the jawab, the reason for which if this is an oath that it's been taken is for the response. Allah Azza wa is as if he's saying by the heavens as they're ripped open and they must obey the command. So Allah Azza wa takes an oath to show as we just mentioned, uh, you know, we just spoke about this, uh, the importance of seeing on that day how nothing will have a choice. Everything must obey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing will be able to refuse that which Allah Azza wa Jal is saying. And so it is that word adhinat that it hears and obeys for which Allah Azza wa Jal took the jawab or, or, or took that qasim. Another said, no, the response for this is in the verse that will come, inshallah, probably will take it next week now, but verse number six, and that is, Ya ayyuhal insanu innaka kadih. Because in verse number 6, Allah says, O people, you are toiling laboriously towards your Lord that you will meet, whom you will meet. And so Allah is as if he's saying that when, meaning by the, or when the, when the heavens is going to be rent asunder, ripped apart, that is, O mankind, when you will meet your Lord, that you have always been rushing towards. All, all your whole life is a journey towards your Lord and that meeting with your Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when the heaven or when those heavens are ripped apart, that is when you will come and meet your Lord. So some of the scholars said that. And others said something very similar, and that is that it's to do with the end part of that verse, verse number six Mulaqih. That on Yawm al Qiyamah when the heavens are ripped apart, that is when people will see their Lord will meet their Lord and they will see that which they put forth for their Lord. Because as we will see inshallah ta'ala next week when you come to it the famulaqi, the end of that verse at number 6, they will meet him because the pronoun the ha at the end famulaqi, what is it referring to? Is it an it? Is it a him? What's it referring to? But we'll come on to that inshallah ta'ala next week. So some of them said that that is the jawab, that is the answer. So when the heavens are ripped apart then that which you were working towards or that which you were always rushing towards, you will see it. So maybe, as some of them said, it's the meeting with Allah Azza wa Jal. Some of them said, no, it's referring to the actions of a person. You'll see them in full because we know that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah Azza wa Jal will give. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will mention in this, in this surah as well, Surah Al-Shikaq speaks about this too, that the people will be given the record of their deeds, their actions. And so whether you receive it in the right hand or on the left hand or in the left hand, that's something which people will then see for themselves on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And others, such as Al-Mubarrid, they said, فِيهِ تَقْدِيمٌ وَتَأْخِيرٌ No, there's a mixing in the order, because sometimes Arabs do this. The Arabs change the order of something. He said that the way it should be is, O mankind, you are toiling laboriously towards your Lord and you will meet Him when the heavens is rent asunder, as if, Verse 6 and 1 are together, but 6 comes before 1. He said, 
That is what is being referred to here. Another said, as such as Al-Kisai, the famous Imam of Qiraat, but he's also a famous Imam of the Arabic language. Al-Kisai was one of the greatest grammarians of his generation, as he was also one of the greatest Imams of Qiraat of his time. And he is from the famous Kufi school, the school of Kufa in the Arabic language. He said that the response is in, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ بِيَمِينَهِ so as if Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying in the Sama'un Shaqqat when the, when the heavens are ripped apart فَمَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ بِيَمِينَ They're on that day whosoever receives their record in their right hand فَحُكْمُهُ كَذَا Then they will receive X, Y and Z as the verses continue to go on. And Abu Ja'far al-Nahas, also one of the famous scholars of the Arabic language, he said وَهَذَا أَصَحُّ مَا قِيلَ فِي وَحْسَنُهُ And this is the best of all of these positions that we mentioned. One of these positions that we mentioned, this is the best of them he said. So we have a number of them, as we said uh, previously when we went through similar verses, that the scholars often differ of Arabic language in terms of exactly where the jawab is of ida or the jawab al-qasm, because ida also comes with that kind of meaning. Ida often has a jawab. Ida sama when the heavens are rent asunder, then what? Then what? Right? When I meet you, okay, and then what? Right? So the when also has to have a response. And so some of the scholars or the scholars here are looking at what is the response of the either, what is the response of the either, uh, and and how is it referred to. Waqila and others then said, uh, as a further position, um, the further position, and that is that the jawab, the response is mahdhuf. It is hidden or it is absent. because the people know. So it doesn't need to be mentioned outright. And this is something very common in Arabic language. It is called mahdhuf, something which is not mentioned explicitly, but it is implicitly understood. And uh, and that is that the uh, they say that what is missing here, but is understood, is that إِذَا السَّمَاءُ شَقَّتْ When the heavens are ripped apart, عَلِمَ الْمُكَذِّبُونَ بِالْبَعْثِ ضَلَالَتَهُمْ وَخُسْرَانَهُمْ Then the people of misguidance on that day will know that they were misguided, they will know that they will be in a state of loss. Meaning that just by the resurrection taking place, they will know the fallacy, the falsehood, uh, the weakness of all of that which they believed before their deaths. So they will know on that day that they were upon misguidance and therefore as a result they will know that it's going to be a, a state of loss and misery and destruction for them in the next life. And so therefore they said that it doesn't need to be mentioned. It is mahdhu because it's understood and it is obvious what it's referring to. But anyway, we said that Al-Kisai was of the position that it's referring to the record. And to be honest, all of these are very similar because they all come to the end. The, the, the end result is one and the same. This is more a linguistic bath. It is more a linguistic issue, uh, an issue of grammar and Arabic language and so on. The scholars always like to pinpoint this stuff. But in terms of the meaning, at the end, it's one and the same. The meaning is one and the same. And that is that all of us referring to Yawm Al-Qiyamah, referring to the resurrection, referring to the judgment and accounting before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as we said, and it's mentioned here, I mentioned it at this verse here, because this is when the scholars usually in their books of tafsir discuss the jawab, if it is a qasam or not. Because some of the scholars, as we said, what of the position that it is a qasam? That it is a qasim, and from those scholars who was of this position, it is said was Al-Hasan al-Basri, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, the famous Imam of the Tabi'een, that this is an oath 
even though the wording doesn't have the traditional oath wording, which is the wow or the ta or the ba, wallahi, billahi, tallahi, the wow is, is absent here, but the context of it and the meaning of it is that it is an oath. But the majority of the scholars of tafsir, they said no, it's not an oath, it is a khabar. It is it is uh, news that Allah Azza wa Jalla is giving us. It's just a sentence, just a normal sentence without any oath being mentioned therein. And Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best. So I think we'll leave um, we'll leave it here for this week because the next verse will take a bit of time to go through. But if there's any questions, inshallah Taala, we'll take some of your questions. Otherwise, we'll conclude for today. Uh, with the opinion that the living are included, since the khalat is in the past tense, is what is meant is that it has already been rid of all of the living because they died earlier. Uh, Allahu alam. I don't know exactly what they're referring to here, but it's possible Allah knows best because we know that on Yom al Qiyamah the hour will be established on people who are living. As the Prophet told us, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he spoke about the signs of Yom al Qiyamah, when he spoke about the believers after the time of the Dajjal and the descent of Isa alayhi salam and Ya'juj and Ma'juj that the final group of believers because we know in a number of a hadith that the hour will not be established until there is no one left that says La ilaha illallah the hour is not established until there will be no Quran left and what is meant by this because when you bring all of these hadith together including the hadith that I was mentioning about the Dajjal and Ya'juj and Ma'juj what it refers to is the death of the believers so there is no one left to say la ilaha illallah, there's no one left to read the Qur'an, there's no one left to do anything in terms of worshipping Allah Azza wa because Allah Azza wa has taken the life of all of the believers. And that is the hadith where the Prophet mentioned that gentle breeze that will come and it will come to the believers under their right armpit and it will take their souls in the most gentle of ways. And so that is how the believers will leave the dunya. Why? Because as the Prophet told us in another hadith that the hour will be established on the worst of Allah's creation. They will be considered to be the worst of Allah's creation, the people that the trumpet is blown upon. So it's possible that what they're referring to is that, that there are dead in the graves, they will be made to stand and be resurrected. Then there will be people living when the trumpet is blown, they will die. They will die as Allah says, everything upon the heavens and the earth will fall in consciousness except that which Allah Azza wa wills. And so they will die because Allah Azza wa has decreed Kullu nafsin every life in this dunya must taste death. And so they will die, but that will be their manner of death. So it's possible that what they were referring to is for those people, they're not going to be buried necessarily. And Allah knows best, it doesn't speak about that. But if they are the last people to live, then who buries them? How are they buried? Allah knows best, but the point is, maybe that's what they're referring to when they said that, that's, uh, that they were speaking about the living. And so whether they're on the surface of the earth and they die, or they died beforehand and they were in the belly of the earth, all of them will be cast out and made to stand and be resurrected in front of Allah Azza wa So perhaps that's what's being referred to and Allah Azza wa knows best. I didn't see anyone that came, uh, gave an explanation of those particular statements of the scholars of Tafsir that mentioned, mentioned it in that way. Um, however, that's that's possibly what's being referred to. Allahu Alam, I don't know. Okay, so inshallah we'll, we'll stop here. Barakallahu feekum. And inshallah ta'ala, I will see you all next week. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.